Hey guys, welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. Uh, this is a bonus episode. Originally, I was going to put this on Patreon where I put bonus episodes. However, I realize that isn't fair to uh, hit this audience who probably want to hear her thoughts on the memoir. And I didn't want to just have it uh, be for my audience. And uh, if you're new here, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome. I appreciate you uh, coming back for more, given I just did drop a two-hour episode. <laughs> so many of you guys, because you know me better than I know myself, told me to read open book Jessica Simpson's memoir. And, you know, relative to the greats, uh, you know, Brittany and Christina, Mandy Moore, Willa Ford, Blue Cantrell and the gang, the solo, the solo late 90s, early 2000s artists, Jessica is somebody I like because of newlyweds, but... And I actually love the Jack and Diane Boy I Think That I'm In Love With You song. I appreciate where you are, even though I found it to be a one sweet day knockoff. With you, I can let my hair down. I mean, is an instant classic. But also, definitive list of things she could not do with Nick Lachey. One, let her hair down. Two, say anything crazy. Because he hated her. Um, I think that, though I'm sure she looked beautiful with nothing but a t-shirt on, because she is so beautiful. Uh, I really didn't care for the public affair era. And I did not care for like sweet kisses. Um, the sweetest sin was so creepy. She looked gorgeous in the video, but I remember feeling like, obviously, you know, I'm triggered by like true love waits, purity movement, virginity things. And Jessica Simpson not only was the poster child then, but she still maintains it kind of. She didn't seem that bitter about her, uh, how forced virginity was on her and how she lived between two worlds. One, where she was forced to like cover up and was, you know, told that she was tempting the church elders because she simply has a body with curves. And it's for some reason women's responsibility to control how men respond to them. Ridiculous. I, I honestly, I could, I need to breathe into a brown paper bag whenever I hear narratives like that. Alternatively, Tommy Matola didn't find her sexy enough. Um, she spoke about it her body image was such like clarity and self-assurance that I appreciated, but without resentment, which is interesting to me because I certainly feel frustrated by all of the, you know, really sexist messaging I received in my youth as it related to like covering up and the importance of women being chaste and pure, uh, if only to make sure that, you know, men, God forbid, aren't tempted and you know if they act on it or touch you or say something inappropriate no god no it's not their fault it's yours because you were a v-neck top by the target brand exhilaration that you had no intention of seducing anybody in your algebra class but alas you're the one sent to the principal's office i'm not bitter anyways back to my original point sweetest sin i just i don't know that i didn't like i didn't i, I thought at a point she needed to almost shed the skin of the virginal person and just like not full ex-Tina, dirty, too dirty to clean my act up dirty, but like, I don't know. I, I just, it, it, it was kind of a funny era where people embraced and promoted shtick and every like pop star had their thing and they seldom abandoned it, abandoned it with the exception of ex-Tina. It's wild to look back and think about how oversexed all of that was. Like, do me a favor. Watch the Britney Spears I'm a Slave for You video and just watch her, like, pant in a weird sauna nightclub um, in a small orgy with people surrounding her that are shirtless. <laughs> I remember watching the making the video and I was, like, 12 or 13 and I was just like, yeah, this is what adulthood is. This is this is what you do for fun. You go to a maybe uh, nightclub during the day somewhere in Asia uh, that is also... Maybe like a sauna slash steam room. You wear l pants that are so low, you essentially like cut out the the, the crotch and the waistline. 
Um, but to combat that, you put a pink thong over your low-rise pants for an incredibly chic look. And for a top, just simply take any long stretch of fabric, a scarf, a pashmina perhaps, anything you can get your mitts on, the more sheer the better, and just simply crisscross it over your boobs and tie it in the back. It, to me, I was like, this is how adults dress. Um, and going forward, I will, you know... <laughs> Live my life like always saying, little girl, don't step into the club. I'm just trying to find out why, because dancing's what I love. I just really relate to, like, I may come off shy, but I feel like talking, feel like dancing when I see this guy. What's practical, what's logical? What the hell, who cares? All I know is I'm so happy when I'm dancing there in the Asian, maybe sauna, maybe nightclub, daytime, a situation where everybody uh, sweats and orgies their minds out until they are simply so dehydrated they have to go out on a balcony stick their tongues out and hope to catch some few and far between raindrops. It really is a weird video and I certainly can encourage anybody to go back and watch it. I could do a whole episode analyzing the four pop princesses because Heather brings up Mandy Moore in this, which I kind of wasn't thinking of her in this context, um, but that they were kind of the, the four. And as it relates to voice, it's obviously one Christina, two Jessica, three Brittany, four Mandy. But as it relates to all like total package, like all-around ability to it's like succeed outside of their pop persona it's like impossible because mandy moore made herself established as a legitimate and talented actress not only from a walk to remember uh and you know pretending to be a dancer and all of those layered pieces in the i want to be with you video from center stage but also um because of this is us i think she's absolutely fantastic in that show but then there's Jessica, who doesn't really like sing or dance in it or anything anymore and kind of fell off the face of the earth. But she's a freaking billionaire and boss businesswoman that I respect tremendously following this me memoir. Britney Spears, we're still the most like fascinated by and concerned about. And like she crushed it in her Vegas residency. Um, but also she seems to have stopped emotionally developing at age 16. Then there's Christina, who developed over time, seems mature and self-aware after the dirty phase, you know, everybody's got to get out of their system in some way. Hers just was a little bit more public. Uh, she did maintain a level of longevity, not necessarily with the success of her music, but she's so damn talented that she'll always, you know, withstand the test of time. And she's a voice coach, which, you know, kind of brought Gwen Stefani back on the radar, too. I um, I don't know, guys. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough call. I could analyze them. So much. I mean, and, and when you think about like the things that propelled them into the spotlight, like for, you know, the iconic moments of Britney, like her kissing Madonna at the VMAs um, or like with Jessica going on newlyweds, like just I don't know. And when you hear Jessica, like in interviews and in the book is like, I don't regret newlyweds at all. Like maybe it wasn't the best thing for our marriage, but that's how people that like, got to know her. And it's true because even though, like, okay, Irresistible is an outstanding song, and she looked so hot in that video, too, with the black leather and the almost brown hair. Um, even though she had good, catchy songs and, like, was doing well, Newlyweds, she, it was just impossible not to love her. She's so lovable and charming and, like, kind of stupid. But now we know that was a bit of an act because she says in the book she knew she would say things like platypus and, you know, I don't want to eat buffalo and chicken or tuna. Um, I think some of them are natural, some of them were maybe pre-planned, but it is kind of a weird level of brilliance to uh, forego your intelligence to appear like a ditz on screen to pander to an audience in a way that generates you more income. It's like, is it the ultimate sad anti-feminist move or is that the ultimate feminist move? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I, I mean, I have so many thoughts. Heather and I go through a lot of it, but I was trying to think of what I didn't say. Um, side note, do you remember when Mandy did an art? She did like a interview in 2004. She said she was like embarrassed of her music and apologized to anybody who bought uh, her albums and wasted their money. I kind of hate that when people like immediately resent their humble beginnings, you know, just because you're embarrassed doesn't mean you have to insult it. Like I, for one, will forever have really fond memories of, you know, punch buggy, no punchbacks near the skate park and they singing I'm missing you like candy. Don't take that from me. Also, it made me laugh that Eric Johnson, Jessica's husband. When he said he was dating her, his parents said said the one that shaved her head she has two kids right and they thought she was Britney Spears and then there's another example where they went to Disney World and um like it was her first time there in years since like auditioning for the Mickey Mouse Club or whatever in the grad night and a woman approached her at the pool and like was screaming about how she was Britney Spears and uh she made a funny joke about how like Britney st- like is stealing her moment um at disney like even in front of her kids <laughs> and i was like bless your heart she had such a good like sense of humor about always being like a, a step behind those pop princesses um and i thought it was interesting she turned down the notebook uh they wouldn't budge on taking out the sex scene which was so interesting that it, it didn't seem like she wanted to avoid for nick so much as um she it was just like part of like still how she felt in terms of her religious values. But, you know, now that we know Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling had like a 12 year old bet on who would kiss her first. Seems like Gosling was was very close and just barely missed his chance. If I were anybody in any format that ever had a chance to come near kissing Ryan Gosling, I would be cursing the day the stars didn't align in my favor. I love him. Um, and also probably because as a child, I look exactly like him. Not that's not to flatter myself, but like actually as a kid, my like facial structure weirdly creepily resembles Ryan Gosling that I did lose with age. Um, it was not like that cute on a girl. I also like it's so funny. She elaborated so heavily on some things and really dished on some things. My argument is that she felt some sort of uh, permission or whatever to talk about people that have talked about her. But then she would completely gloss over stuff like she said after she got divorced from Nick. She moved into her own like starter mansion or whatever in Beverly Hills. And she was surrounded by high profile single women who were also in transition and finding themselves. And I was looking this up and apparently her neighbors were like Cameron Diaz, Nicole Kim and Penelope Cruz. And she said it made the gate a paparazzi resting place. But inside we, the ladies of the canyon were free. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. I, would, I, need, to, I need to know everything. That's so interesting, to con- especially in the context of. Her, I don't know, like being this kind of like pop star that everyone kind of maybe thought was like dumb. And I wouldn't normally think she'd be friends with people like Nicole Kidman and Penelope Cruz. But I mean, I like love that for her and need to know more. Hopefully there's a follow up. I also um, I think if like this memoir taught me anything, it's that Dolly Parton is the saint, is the angel, is the upstanding woman. I hoped she'd be and I knew she would be. Uh, I, the story of her bombing was so cringy and so hard to listen to, but it's an example of rock bottom that is perhaps a necessary catalyst at times. And, uh, I think that hearing how kindly Dolly treated her, um, and went out of her way to make her feel better when she could have thought it was like immature and unprofessional and blah, blah, blah. Um, and she was like, my own damn song's too hard for me to sing. I still don't know the words like that. I don't know. It's really nice. And 
then for her to go over later when she was trying to develop a country career, which I do not remember whatsoever, her like touring with Rascal Flats, and she kept calling them the flats. Is that a thing? <laughs> um, which is ironic because she doesn't wear flats. I just thought the whole Dolly storyline was incredibly charming. I don't think Heather and I talked about that. These are just random notes I wrote down. Um, I think for me too was, you know, given that a lot of us grew up during this time where both the media focus, the kind of uh, social dialogue surrounding weight, it was so, it was such a different time and it was such a problematic time. But growing up during that time, I didn't know any differently. And I just was like, yeah, what's expected of me is to be skinny and is to look like these people. And it's funny, and you know, girls, we just like talk about dieting and calories and, you know, all this stuff. And I think I've talked about before how, like I was kind of lanky and didn't, you know, I, I wasn't as like aware of this conversation, but then when I got to college, like everybody hated themselves. And then I started to, too, because I just never heard somebody t like so many people talk about food in this specific way. And I think there's something interesting about, um, millennial women in that we grew up in a, in an era where fat shaming was just like so normal, where the media feeling this sense of entitlement to comment on people's weight and to criticize their bodies like openly was totally acceptable. And even Je when Jessica was explaining like how, you know, starting with the church and then like Tommy Mottola and the conflicting messages she was getting that I was talking about earlier, like the second she got a record deal, you know, following being told at church that she was making men feel lustful, fully clothed. And then Tommy Mottola told her to lose 15 pounds the second she signed. And you know, when you're your family's meal ticket, what are you going to do? And then he told her he needed a six pack like Janet Jackson abs. She puts them on with eyeshadow, starts taking diet pills, restricting food. Um, like it set off a cycle for the next 20 years that um, she just had incredibly unhealthy eating habits and expected something of herself that was so incredibly hard to maintain that, you know, now when I, that I'm older, like when I when I'm, if I'm doing something like that, I recognize this is so hard and painstaking and awful because it's not natural for my body. Um, and I remember watching her diet on newlyweds for Daisy Duke. And even at the time thinking it was painful, despite being pretty used to societal pressure and messaging surrounding the importance of being thin. Um, I mean, aspects of it are still alive and well, obviously we have issues with fat shaming and holding women to impossible standards in general, but also a lack of size inclusivity with so many brands. We obviously have a long way to go, but at the very least, I'm so appreciative of literature like this, um, of somebody young women might look up to that not only admits I succumb to this, I am such a product of this. I thought this was normal and an okay way to treat myself, to think about myself, to talk to myself and to allow other people to talk about me for so long, for too long. And for her to, you know, come around to like loving herself, to turn it into a body positive and an inclusive fashion empire that ultimately made her a billionaire, um, to be somebody who was the butt of the joke with the, um, mom jeans and her saying she was heartbroken and couldn't trust the mirror and it just like completely uh you know sent her into a spiral like for her to not only admit the vulnerability because I think sometimes we don't want to act like we care what that much what people think um but also to kind of I don't know find moments to like laugh at it and find some levity in it you know saying of course it was at a chili cook-off and all of those things that really made me laugh um I just, it like really, her talking about body dysmorphia, like really sunk in, like stuck with me in terms of saying like, you know, when you're always in on the joke and you feel like you're in control of your weight, uh, it's one thing 
but then to also be at a good place and like have accepted yourself, but then have this whole like mom jeans thing happen going on where you're not the one making the joke anymore. Anybody else is. It's just like, it kind of shows how precarious this process can be and how difficult it is to love yourself and difficult it is to tune out noise. And even when you think you're self-actualized, the intense and impossible standards women are held to and the way we're spoken about, like our bodies are some open topic for discussion uh, makes it really impossible to break the cycle. And even you know, I, I can't decide because I was frustrated with her getting like ultimately two tummy tucks after being self-actualized, inclusive and body positive. But I think that kind of almost shows this paradox we all experience of where we both want to embrace and love ourselves, but are still like people that get over focused on aesthetics and want to look, look a certain way and maintain our youth. And like, you know, I'm all about like natural beauty. You are who you are. Nobody has any right to comment on how you look. You're perfect. But then like I get Botox, you know. It's 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 this paradox that I feel, too, that with I don't know, it's, it's like I want to leverage any and all like technology and things I can do within, you know, within reason that make me feel like my best self and kind of preserve my skin and whatever. But I also I just I believe that we should be allowed to exist in whatever way we want to. So maybe that's the point is regardless of your decision making, the importance of spreading body positivity uh, and also owning your own decisions of being transparent about them and don't give people the wrong idea. Like you can, you know, have that huge Khloe Kardashian ass because of squats and not because of a fat transfer or your buttery forehead isn't a result of some expensive serum you want to get an affiliate, you know, commission off of on Instagram, but rather your frozen forehead from Botox that makes it buttery as hell. And it's a sensation I can't get enough of, you know, lastly, the thing I'll say, and we, we gloss, we talk about John Mayer, but, um, I do think what's so interesting is when you look at what Jessica said about John and like compare it directly to Taylor Swift's song, Dear John, it's the same thing. And she says specifically that she would constantly strive to earn John Mayer's approval and then says he would give it and then take it away, then give it, then take it away. And when you, the lyrics of Dear John and all of their poetry and perfection, my God, um, quite literally uh, say, well, maybe it's me and my blind optimism to blame, or maybe it's you and your sick need to give love and take it away. It's so crazy. Um, and she said, you're an expert at sorry and keeping lines blurry, never impressed by me acing your tests. And Jessica talks about like, she's obsessed with like spelling and grammar and saying the right thing and how every conversation is a competition and like Taylor Swift is whip smart and she's witty and I think she could hold her own with John and that maybe was why she was intrigued by him and they had some sort of chemistry um but she was ultimately like just like it just sounds like at that point in time he was awful and impossible and looking for material to write songs but also um and this the most perfect bridge of all time of Dear John um at one point Jessica I forget the exact quote but talks about how she like felt tapped out or like run dry or she just was like he just like exhausted her and 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 dear john it says all the girls that you've run dry have tired lifeless eyes because you burn them out and i'm like oh my god you're so right and of course we have because i took but i took your matches before fire could catch me so don't look now i'm shining like fireworks over your sad mfing empty town and um i mean one of the greatest bridges of all time i'll play it in the outro i just uh i don't know it, it's so interesting to have both of them kind of articulate the exact same experience in different artistic mediums, if you will. And I would love to, I, I hope they get together and have a conversation about that. And I hope they 
record it for a podcast. What a podcast that would be. <laughs> and I also thought it was an important lesson for young women to hear, you know, uh, that their therapist said he never loved you. He was obsessed with you. And there's a difference. And there is a difference. And when you're young and you want attention and you just want to feel like somebody is is longing for you, you sometimes misinterpret even jealousy as being a positive personality trait because that means they love you so much. But jealousy has nothing to do with love. It has everything to do with control and possession. And I just thought it was important for her to delineate, you know, what was wrong with her relationships with like Nick and John and Tony. I didn't think Tony seemed charming, but Hither did. We discuss that later. I thought he seemed controlling, like with the, you know, male actors and stuff. And the fact that he never stood up for her when she was being called a bad luck charm really pissed me off. But also I get really pissed off at sports. And I just thought it was great that she kind of discussed the differences of her relationships and why her relationship with her now husband was so different, so important, and how much his like patience and understanding uh, and their mutual respect for one another yielded a relationship that was just the right mix of all of the attributes you need for success and that there's so many things that re are re required for a relationship to work. Um, but there are really clear cut things that are important red flags to look out for that will obviously make it not work that any young woman can catch earlier, the better, i.e. the obsessiveness, the possessiveness, uh, the jealousy and the like, and like who taught, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I could go on and on, but anyway, guys, I mean, I, I, I will never be done with my thoughts, the glitter cup of it all, the glitter cups. I can't, I, I, the mixing of whimsy with such a problematic vice blows my mind. Um, I thought it, I also was so impressed that she had like the, the foresight and understanding of the situation in terms of her not, um, like when she was made fun of with the mom jeans and how easily her, her, her camp could have been like, she's a size four, but she understood and knew how awful that would have been for people to be like, the people are saying this about her and I'm X size. Like I was just impressed by the maturity and the, um, I don't know, perspective and her willing to kind of like take one and not defend herself because it's just fundamentally wrong. It's not wrong relative to the size you are. It's just wrong period, the end. And um, I just like love how she handled that. And I thought it was really important. And I just, I don't know. I will, I could listen to her say, give or take a billion over and over and over when she talks about uh, making back the money she gave to Nick. It was guys, it was a, it was a wild ride. It was a joy. It was a pleasure. Thank you for telling me I would love it. Thank you for insisting I read it even when I wasn't and telling me multiple times over. This is why I love you. Please continue to always tell me about the things I need to be watching or reading, kind of like Adrian and Provo's most eligible. She's been telling about it, telling me about it for over a year. And until the quarantine, I just didn't prioritize it. And I'm like, I need to start listening to people. They they really do know me well. And I love you for your recommendations. Um, I hope you like this bonus episode. It's not sponsored, just something for fun. For those of you that are super fans of this book, it was such a joy for me. And I apologize I'm talking so loudly, but I'm trying to make it to pot belly before it closes. <laughs> All right, guys, hope you have an amazing weekend. I love you so much. If you're new here, please come back. We talk about all sorts of fun pop culture-y things. Um, but if you're also new, you can go to my Instagram feed. There is a new listener's guide that's maybe like my sixth or seventh photo that has all the most popular episodes and like the deep dives that'll last you hours and hours if you need to kill some time. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, guys, I'm so excited to have with me Hitha Palipu. We, I've talked about her a million times, I feel like, on the podcast. She is um, the CEO of a pharmaceutical company. You're an angel investor, advisor. 
you are an author, you uh, do like incredible content curation with five smart reads and a newsletter that I devour weekly. You are a multi-hyphenate. And you know, I love that because I have to take 10 minutes to explain what I do. And I love women that are just uh, versatile in so many areas. And I'm so honored you're, you're on the pod today. Welcome. I'm so thrilled to be here. You kept me company during long days of updating decks or spreadsheets, and <laughs> I adore you, and I'm so excited. You're so nice. Aren't you? You originally came for uh, Mormon Mommy Bloggers, right? Yes, but I also listened to Grace Atwood's Under the Influencer, mm-hmm. and that I loved Merit's episodes with you. Like, give me all the royals. Give me some debutantes. Just give me it all. That's what I uh, love about you too. Your in your interests are broad. Like I feel like you have you provide so many re- like well researched and reputable sources for a lot of more intellectual topics, but you also love entertainment and like love juice as much as the rest of us. God, I love it <laughs> so much. I'm <laughs> deeply obsessed with Family Karma right now on Bravo, the all Indian show. And really, I hate the young people on there. I just want the moms. Like, give me the aunties like all day long. I think that show is criminally underrated. No one's talking about it. And it's really, really entertaining. I wish they were. You know what? It's going to hit its stride soon, I feel like. I hope so. They've got something there. First season is often quite rough. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was even when I was watching the preview, they were like, you know, Southern Florida's hottest Indian. It was like, it was like three denominators. And I was like, huh? (laughs) It wasn't that obvious to me. But then I was like, this is amazing. Like what you need is people that already know each other and that are so intertwined in each other's business. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in some extra generations on top of that and a lot of Taco Bell and you just have (laughs) an amazing show. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But before I get started too, you have a podcast that's fairly new. I do. I do. It's called One Smart Thing. And I was very much inspired by you. But on the flip side, I go, I don't have a lot of time to necessarily sit and record a lengthy episode. But I want to share about my ideas and thoughts and the things that I think are important. So that's my opportunity to do so. And it's been really fun. So how long is the average episode? It's under 10 minutes. I think I have maybe one or two. That's 12. Okay. Yeah. The ones I listened to, I thought were at least under 15. And honestly, you're smart because people actually want the brevity. It's very hard to condense what you want to say down to that amount of time, unless you pick it specifically. Right. Yeah. And and they've been able to do it well. Thank you. They've been very specific topics, which helps. And they've randomly been timely. Like I never knew that being able to differentiate between the stock market versus the economy would be so important. And it is critically important in this day and age right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's kind of like, sometimes those are the things you're like, I think I get it. There's some things politically and economically that if you slightly misunderstand it, you can really fuck up the entire conversation. (laughs) I mean, this, my goal with the podcast is to help women stop getting mansplained too. And to woman-splain more Mm. that I think about it. I love the idea of woman-splaining. It needs to happen more. How would you categorize that? Just a woman explaining something? Or is there like an exaggerated like trope associated with it, like mansplaining? I just think it's when men finally shut the F up and let a woman talk. And she's actually, and she's right. (laughs) 
Right. I was going to say, I guess, like lucidity, like clarity. <laughs> Common um, sense. Yes, totally. I love that. Well, so we, I was, I like just got on the train of um, Jessica Simpson's memoir, which is called Open Book, which first of all, how has nobody ever named their memoir Open Book? It's so obvious. <laughs> so obvious. But oh my gosh, she was the right person. And this was the right book for that title. It really was. And like, I love pop culture. I love everything about, especially like the Gen X, Brittany, Christina, Jessica era of the, you know, teen pop idol. Could not, cannot emphasize how uninterested I was in this memoir. I don't know why, but I was kind of, I kind of saw her as being like pretty transparent on like newlyweds. She was always really like, she didn't have a filter. I was like, I kind of get her vibe. I'm good. Um, But everybody told me this was so good. And even when, especially when people like Grace and Becca, like Grace doesn't care about pop culture. Um, she all. was like entranced by it. And so, so there's some people's opinions I took seriously. And yeah, of course, then I got, when I got in, I was like, where, where have I been? This is, it was, um, I mean, I have so many thoughts about it, but how long ago did you read it? I read it a couple months ago and I actually hijacked my book club and made them switch books like mid, <laughs> like mid meetings to this book because I was like, you guys. And I will tell you, I am a pop culture stan. And I, Jessica was one of my favorites back in the 90s. I really, like, I loved every episode of Newlyweds. I was here for her and Nick. Just like Bollywood, <laughs> it set me up with really unrealistic expectations about marriage and love. But, you mm-hmm. know, that's neither here nor there. And so... <laughs> I feel like I was always rooting for her and I was always just so fascinated at how you go from Nick Lachey to John Mayer to Tony Romo with, was Johnny Knoxville? What the hell up happened with that? And then to end up with Eric Johnson, someone nobody has ever heard of, but right. also seemed the happiest you've ever been in your entire life. So I was here for it because I go, it's just like, hmm, I would like to, I would like answers. I really yeah. would. Well, I kind of expected it to be a lot. It was about her dad, but it also wasn't about her dad. Like, I think that was what I was kind of coming into it looking for, because I thought they had like a um, what's his name? Beyonce's dad. Uh, like Very that similarities. level, of, level yeah. of a fallout. Um, and it, they kind of did. But I feel like, yeah, Joe and Ashley were less parts of it. And I think they were very well set up for their own memoirs. Don't you? I actually was a huge Ashley Simpson fan. And one of my favorite Peloton workouts, um, Cody Rigsby did this XOXO series ride all of February. So he picked people who dated each other in music. And so he had this pop ride where it was 98 degrees and Jessica and Ryan Cabrera and Ashley. What but what what Ryan Cabrera song besides "On the Way Down" came just on the way down? (laughs) (laughs) And wow, um, this is exciting. And I think it was autobiography was a song on the ride, but it Mm -hmm. got me deep on an Ashley Simpson binge of "Pieces of Me." Great song, Um, just a lot of Shadow. Shadow was amazing. It was so good, and I I kind L-O-V- of recently love L O V E L O V E. Yeah, it makes me want to Lala. I mean, yeah. honestly, that entire record was outstanding, and it was timely given the Avril Lavigne like punk rock girl power of it all. And I I kind of deep dove in Ashley recently, and I was really impressed to see she wrote 
or co-wrote her entire album. And like mm-hmm. Jessica, her, none of her hits she wrote or had like anything yeah. to do with Jessica was kind of like a vessel. Ashley like actually tried to do her own thing in the SNL you know, hoe down the weird dance she did when she lips the lip sync. Like, I just think that really destroyed her. God bless. But also that she ended up married to Pete Wentz from fallout boy. I know. And now Diana Ross's son. That's right. Thank you for reminding me because last year I, even on my podcast was like, I have, I could not have less interest in Ashley's Simpsons reality show with Diana Ross's son. Like, why would I watch that now? I'm like reinterested. I know, but the Ashley Simpson show was also way ahead of its time. It really was. Those were two just like paragons of reality TV that we will never have it be that raw and that unedited like ever again. I know. And it's, I, I've rewatched Newlywed season one because it's like iconic. I kind of want to rewatch season three after reading the memoir, but it sounds really dark knowing the backstory of how they legitimately weren't talking and were like contriving scenes just for the show. Like that's sad. And also like the whole walking to the lot next door to scream at each other. That was such like a raw part of that book. But also I felt, okay, don't worry. (laughs) But no, I, I actually am kind of mad at myself that I did, read this so fast because I uh, there's not enough stuff I really love and absorb so quickly. But then when I find something I like, I just uh, I finish it immediately. Me and too. Then it's over. Me too. I have to binge on if I if I get gripped to something like I will stay up all night reading. I know. Same. And like. I was woken up last night by like her songs that I didn't even know were on the audible. And I'm like, what am I listening to? And then I was like, I missed something. And so, (laughs) yeah, but, um, okay. So what, like, I know you read it a couple months ago, but what was kind of like the things that you liked about it that were maybe expected and like, what Mm -hmm. were you totally surprised to read? I appreciate the childhood origin stories of every mm-hmm. memoir. However, those are the ones I tend to skip over the fastest because I kind of just don't care at the mm-hmm. same time. I actually could not put hers down. So everything mm-hmm. that she, t- I know her talk, her sexual assault experience is something a lot of people had talked about, but even some of the really tender moments of you know, her family struggled for a really long time financially. And that sort of Mm -hmm. finance, the sort of tight wallets, her father, you know, traveling wherever he could get a job, how lean Tina ran that family operation. It, I guess maybe it's because we saw the adult Joe and Tina and Jessica and Ashley, and how they were living once, you know, they had quote unquote made it that made me respect maybe some of the things I would have mocked maybe when I was watching Mm. it as a stupid teenager and recognize why, you know, some of the bags she bought or some of the things, you know, the parents wore, the car choices they drove. I respected them a lot more for it in a time where I was just really ignorant when I first observed it. And I thought that was a really... That's when I knew that book was kind of different than other celebrity memoirs. And I was so taken by that honesty and the way she painted a really honest picture of her childhood in so much you can do as your point of view, because, you know, there's your experience, there's someone else's experience and somewhere between is the truth. 
but I don't think she ever shied away from saying, these are my reflections on my life. By no means should you take this as the absolute truth, which is something a lot of memoirs fail to do that I thought she did really successfully. I agree. She was a good writer, a good storyteller. It was like, it wasn't void of her personality, which a lot of times ghostwriters completely sap the writer of their like core characteristics that maybe make them sound juvenile or, you know, not as sophisticated and on paper, but like, and maybe I was listening to her. She sounded like herself, but she was much smarter than I thought she was and much more aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am so with you memoirs. I usually completely skip childhood reflections. I don't, I, they do not interest me at all. Um, but to your point, it's not like a Kardashian situation where it's like wealth to wealthier and everyone's story is interesting in their, in its own way. But like, I, I, like normally two child star types, like she mm-hmm. kind of tried to be one with the Ma- Mickey Mouse Club. It didn't really work. She didn't really give up, but it wasn't like your normal child star story either. Um, because most of the time it works. Yeah. <laughs> and for her to, I thought it was. I remember seeing like Mickey Mouse Club stuff because VH1 behind the music and stuff was like really mm-hmm. into sharing that back in the day. Like we were very aware of who was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Um, but yeah, the did you Gosling... watch the Mickey Mouse Club though? No, I didn't either. So like I missed I out on them that first go around and only became obsessed with everyone like after the fact. Same, right? Like I Star Search. And Mickey Mouse Club, like a little before I was watching a ton of TV, I think. But also at the time, Disney was subscription only. My family didn't pay for Disney. Mine didn't either. So it was, you know, kind of there was a a barrier to entry there. So I don't really remember it. But um, I thought that, well, like I'm very obsessed with uh, like reflecting on like a conservative church upbringing. And I think for me, what was really interesting is that a lot of people in her position, A, to the pressure of being like a pastor's daughter, B, the impossible situation she was put in, being body shamed in church, and then being told she wasn't sexy enough by the industry, like no agency whatsoever. It was just other people's opinions of her body. And like, I don't know, the kind of, I just thought it was interesting that like I've rejected and I feel very like, um, I, I'm frustrated and bitter and resentful about a lot of things that I don't agree with now. Mm-hmm. She has steadfastly maintained her faith, her respect for the church, and spoke about it incredibly positively in a lot of scenarios where she maybe, I don't know, I was kind of amazed that she didn't have any sort of resentment in, toward the church. And I mean, there are very few faith-based or faith-driven people or stories I can handle. I am a pretty staunch agnostic and I, it's not something I personally ascribe to or find um, my own faith in or find authentic when it's talked about. But her way of talking about it did not turn me off by it. In fact, it actually had me thinking, I go, huh, that's amazing how to hear how honestly, how someone's journey and intersecting moments with faith and how their life has progressed. Um, I was very drawn to it more than turned off by it, which I assumed that of myself. And the only other instance that's ever happened was when I read 
Nick Foles, the former quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> um, autobiography after he won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. He's now a Chicago Bear, so you're welcome. Uh, sadly, if it anyone plays sports, I wouldn't know who they are, even if they're other Bears. <laughs> but that's a great point that I didn't put together. Is I, I am triggered by like almost like faith family football types that just like mm -hmm. are talking shit behind your back, but pretending they're just a sweet Southern lady. Like those are the people that drive me insane. That I'm that I think that they, to quote her song, don't practice what they preach. Um, but I found her is very endearing, and I also found her lack of to like switch gears um the the objective and almost unfeeling way she spoke about her parents response to her telling them about her being abused that was interesting to me because she had so much emotion and awareness like toward every situation but she didn't really comment on their response that much and which i thought was alarming and terrible and something that like I don't even know. I don't think, you know, their response was what she recorded. And I think she wasn't going to put words in her parents' mouth to yeah. reflect on what they must have been thinking and maybe left them the opportunity to answer that for themselves in the public forum should they choose to decide to. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I see a lot of similarities in both um, kind of the evangelical community and in certain cases, immigrant communities, because I have to think if I had something like that happen to me and I brought it to my parents, it would have been something that got resolved, but not something that is talked about. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look who's back. Yeah. I think that, um, that was like, I think, well, the story itself was incredibly difficult to hear, but the bullying following the sexual abuse I was shocked by, it was like extreme. Um, when she was detailing her experience with the women in school the, or the young women in school, the girl she called Beetlejuice and like spreading the rumor about the thing that had happened to her, just kind of like the double twisting. I was like, that is traumatizing. Like on so many levels. It is. And actually it didn't surprise me because girls are vicious. Mm -hmm. I got, horribly bullied in eighth grade when I was at a new school to the point that like I didn't have friends. I basically ate lunch with my teachers in one of their classrooms at any given day because like I would put my tray at a table and people would get up and go sit somewhere else. Like and it just was awful. And even to this day, I don't think I could have talked about it with that same grace. And mm -mm. honesty and empathy that she talked about hers with, I'm still pissed as hell and really angry. And I, it's a testament to her and also an incredible ghostwriter who really let her story shine. And he kind of just nudged and crafted it to make it come alive in a way that no first time writer can that I was really impressed by. Yeah, like I felt the emotion behind it, but there wasn't like rage. It was like it was from the beginning. She spoke about it with resolve mm -hmm. that I definitely wouldn't have had. Mm -mm. Um, and uh, well, I think, too, it was shocking, kind of like going from her youth into her career, I guess, because all of most of what I knew about her was newlyweds is like at the time I did not grasp how young she was. And how inexperienced and naive she was. And even things like her talking about, 
like going bra shopping with her mom and like telling the salesperson, like, I'm going to get felt up. I'm just like, what? Like she was so young and like naive and the, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't, I can't even imagine getting into an industry at, and having your entire like perspective and thoughts being so malleable because she just was from such an, I don't know, a narrow worldview. And she turned out pretty normal and to, uh, comparatively. And to that point, we forget how young they were when they hit the record because they were so sexualized and made to be yeah. so adult that, I mean, all of them have had their own journey in navigating that. Poor Brittany, what she went through is pretty well documented. Christina, even like she kind of, she's turned out all right, but certainly, you know, I can't imagine being 14 years old, being told to lose a certain amount of weight, feeling like I had to put eyeshadow on my abs to make it look like I had some defined, like <laughs> showing cleavage without that didn't feel comfortable to me. And having these decisions made for me with no autonomy and no say, and it's all about the bottom line, which you don't even understand what the bottom line right. is when you're that old. No. And if, and at that old, I wouldn't have pushed back. Uh, it was kind of like a different yeah. time and it makes me sick to think about now, but if, and you've to like when it's financially driven, that's another thing. If your family has nothing and you're their meal ticket, what are you going to say? Like, no, I'm not going to lose the weight. Um, mm -hmm. that's how they backed people into corners and it's so messed up. And I mean, Tommy Matola sounds like a real monster. I, I think I maybe already knew that, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mariah certainly ran away as soon as she could. True. Actually, I forgot about Mariah's relationship with Tommy. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of loved like the behind the scenes stuff of it was kind of crazy that Brittany and Christina like beat her to the Mickey Mouse Club. And her mom was like, you'll see them again. And then her album was delayed because theirs was coming out. And it was I love the insider info. Like um, she came out with a ballad in direct contrast to their mm -hmm. like upbeat pop hip hits. Because when you think about coming out the gate with I want to love you forever. Weird choice. Weird choice. But also that song holds up in a way <laughs> genie in a bottle and baby one more time does not. That's so or true. Candy for that matter. Or candy. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Candy. I, I think that um, the Jack and Diane one and I think with you and the uh, I think that I'm in love with you are two mm -hmm. outstanding songs that I still very much like. <laughs> Amen. I completely um, agree. So I think of the big thing for most people beyond some of the more serious themes were like how much juice was in here, like romantically. Um, I don't feel like there was any. I feel like I kind of knew Nick was a jerk. Did you feel like there was any bombshells dropped about her marriage that you didn't feel like you kind of were aware of? No, but I admit I went back and rewatched Newlyweds season one um, on oh, I I YouTube after. Oh, my God. It was and I was watching it during the Nick Mommy. chapter. He's so cute. Bye. He's never really been into reading until I got these like Dragon Masters <laughs> books, which I can only explain as elementary school Game of Thrones. They're about a bunch of kids who become Dragon mm. Masters and get to like mm. tame these dragons for this dubious King Roland. And um, 
of the kingdom of Bracken. And I'm really into them. Like I stay up and read them after he's fallen asleep on my shoulder. And I'm like, <laughs> You're like binge reading kids books. <laughs> They're really good. That's awesome. And he's so excited about reading them that I'm like, okay, great. Finally. Yeah. Write that out. It's amazing. Exactly. Um, I didn't think so that you there was any newlyweds on YouTube. I rewatched newlyweds on YouTube season one. Again, I couldn't get past season one because to your point, you saw after reading kind of the decline of their marriage, I didn't feel right to watch it again. Reading mm-hmm. and hearing her talk about it was enough. But season one, again, all the things I had mocked, I was just more endeared by her inability to cook. Um, that she was so busy and gone in New York and trying to sell. And because you get the sense of, I have to make get my song played on the radio. I have to make these things happen. Otherwise, my family can't afford to live still. And coming from that, you know, a lot of her childhood mentality towards money and that sense of responsibility she took on herself was still very much, I respected hell, I respected her a hell of a lot more than I did when I first kind of consumed it. But it made for an interesting parallel because Nick was literally just hanging out at the house with his brother, like moving things around and just chilling. Yeah. And like, I guess at the time I didn't realize Nick's career was like on the decline mm-hmm. and hers was on the rise and how much like jealousy there was on his part. I think I didn't really understand, but it just sound she referred to it as like I don't know, stealing her shine or something mm-hmm. um, and, or stealing her light. And, uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic of like a power couple of like one person can outperform the other. Like how would that ever work? You know, for a 22 year old, you should want them to be as or more successful than you. They just started. And he was really trying to like eclipse her from the beginning, which was kind of messed up. But he was also older. Like, remember he turned 30 when they were like year one or year two in the marriage. And I know I was, so she does talk about that, which I'm glad for, but it's, to rush into marriage in basically your very first relationship, like that's wild. I know. And it's what, yeah, projecting uh, impossible ideals of virginity does does to people. It, it makes you feel like you don't have options because he was getting impatient. Yeah. She said he was getting impatient. Um, mm-hmm. And her dad was like frustrated with her wanting to get married while simultaneously <gasps> imposing those impossible standards onto her. When he told her, like, the day of the wedding, we can just leave. You don't have to do this. I'm can like, you imagine? Whoa. I'd be like, no, I can't. Killing my buzz. <laughs> Please. It's like now, the Vera Wayne gown, like the big church in Dallas. Now you say this? She actually, her wedding holds up in terms it's she's like, I went back and watched footage. She's like, is beautiful. And it wasn't dated. No, no. She went very classic. Like cops to her. And, you know, I remember this is a really obscure Jessica Simpson reference from Amy Poehler (laughs) of all people. But in Amy Poehler's book, you know, she was talking about the SNL stage and like the celebrities that came in. She said Jessica Simpson was the most naturally beautiful person she had ever seen and that she was like an (laughs) angel glowing from within. And I don't know why that's the one thing I remember first when i think about amy poehler's very excellent memoir yes please but mm-hmm. yeah i liked yes please but she complained way too much about writing a book in the book <laughs> throw me insane but didn't you feel that way when you were writing your book because i definitely felt that way when i was writing mine 
Mine was short, though. I would... F- yeah, I mean, I think it's different when you, like, are commissioned and paid for a book, and then they're, they're like, write it within these parameters, and it's not, yeah. like, idea first, deal later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's an interesting. I don't remember that, but that's something that I... I think those compliments are so high. Like, that that's such a memorable thing to say about somebody. And I do feel badly because even in my head, the past decade of Jessica Simpson, I like can't picture her not pregnant. Like I haven't seen her. I mean, and she, she just always been. would come out when, yeah, she, yeah, she has been pregnant for a lot of it. But then I kind of felt like, man, I feel bad because I feel like the coverage of her is so, is so weight focused or has historically been. And it's, she, I even remember her last child, people were like making, there's memes about how she's like been pregnant for like three years. Cause it just seemed like she was never going to have the kid and stuff. And I don't know. It just kind of made me trace back and be like, yeah, it's like some celebrities come with these built in narratives that are, they have trouble shaking and weight is definitely one for her. I mean, mom jeans certainly made that happen, but by the way, she was a size four and you look at that picture now and she looks healthy and beautiful. And I'm like, I would kill for your arms. <laughs> I know. And like the styles have changed. Cause I'm like, yeah. damn, those are cute jeans. Like I would buy them. Um, she's but been ahead of her time. Like, like yes. the, this whole time, Jessica Simpson has been the head of the time, the first big celebrity licensed deal. And she signed an incredible deal, like getting Vince Camuto to basically give her the exclusive and he wouldn't work with any other celebrity brands was huge. And it's genius. insane. It is genius. And I, I, if even if I were him, I would not have had that foresight to think she would be the one to sell to push product because mm-hmm. like everyone takes a stab at a clothing line and it usually is like QVC. It's like nothing that notable. Um, but yeah, her wealth, I mean, and the power of like her talking about giving Nick what he wants and then she made it back. Give or take a billion. It's just like, I love goosebumps on goosebumps. On goosebumps. <laughs> Listening to her say it with that little bit of swagger was one of my favorite moments of listening to the book where I actually think I was like, oh, and like dropped my phone because I was the closest to a mic drop I could get. And it just was. <laughs> and it's like empowering for somebody that always treated her like she was so stupid and so yeah. incapable. Yeah. Um, and I also, random side note, I was kind of like, what are Drew and Leah up to? They were such big <laughs> characters in Newlyweds. <laughs> are they, uh, I wonder if they're still together. And I mean, how like the Casey Cobb relationship really started off from like a business relationship that became such a dear, dear friendship. Like reading that was incredibly endearing. And who's married to Donald Faison? I know. Who's like crazy now has a podcast with Zach Braff. Seriously? Is it about scrubs? Kind of. Yeah. And can we talk about how Zach Braff nabbed Florence Hugh? Pugh from Little Women and... He's Wait, they're Oli. dating? Yes. Oh, I did not. I didn't know that. Okay, follow her on Instagram. What Ooh, Zach Braff right has then. an incredible kitchen that she is cooking, <laughs> doing all these amazing cooking videos uh, from. And she actually had to like go on stories and say, "Stop talking about my talking shit about my boyfriend and I. Like, I'm in love with him. We have a great relationship. I posted a picture to celebrate his birthday, and y'all are being assholes. So stop it." How did I miss this? <laughs> <laughs> typing this in really fast my friend alicia like was doing like her own instagram story deep dive on it so she got me sucked in and now i'm like i can't get enough she's beautiful 
Yeah. But like also Zach Braff to me is like, I don't know. I don't think he's like anything uh like it's to me like to me inexplicable is Zoe Deschanel and the property brother. But Zach Braff I understand. Yeah. <laughs> the draw. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not Same into with- the property brothers. I'm not either. And I also, at some, in some weird way, understand Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Like. I can get on board with it. I could get on board with that. I would prefer her with like Captain America or someone who I just think is um, <laughs> a different caliber human being, if you will. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad for another uh, rabbit hole to go down with Florence Pugh. Um and no, in Casey Cobb too, I was kind of like, wow, her, when she was explaining her intervention and the army, yeah. the, the, the board of directors in her life that are genuine, good long-term friends, I was kind of like, that's incredible it, and unusual um, mm-hmm. to have that level of involvement, investment and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's normally such a hostile takeover with an intervention, but um, I thought her story was really, really interesting. I really also loved how she wove in each of the relationships with her, each of her parents and her sister and how they all also continue to evolve. And, you know, her relationship with her father is deeply, deeply complicated, but you can see that there's still so much love there and that they struggled to kind of find their footing at various points. But that's something as someone who's just so close with her own family, I was... I just thought the respect she showed to her family members while also being deeply vulnerable was a testament to like really great writing and being really living up to the book's title and being an open book. Okay. I was going to ask you about that because in general, I think anybody public facing it, you know, that I really do value like sharing. I don't think Mm -hmm. we have all of a lot to, you know, we have a lot more to lose by hoarding than by sharing, but half the time when I'm trying to share, it involves other people that, you know, don't sign up for mm-hmm. something public facing. And I, that I wrote that down too, of like, how can I, I feel like I really understand the situation, the good guys and the bad guys, yet I haven't lost respect for anybody in any meaningful or detrimental way. And the fact that her father was on this book tour with her, I mean, speaks volumes, right? Like I would have, mm-hmm. a, it, it is hard to toe that line and to not feel like they're withholding the entire story to protect somebody. A hundred percent. And, you know, Joe Simpson, I feel like has just been such a polarizing character in the mm-hmm. early aughts pop culture and how he tried to become the OG Chris Jenner and yeah. a lot of ways. And it's, it's fascinating, like he and Matthew Knowles and the very different relationships, you know, that they have with their kids and Jessica being so open and honest and talking very openly about where they're at now versus you never know anything that's happening in Beyonce's life. So she communicates an image only. True. And I loved the modern incorporation of the complexity of celebrity and that him pulling up to the daughter's assembly. And she's like, mm-hmm. how could I miss the green car? I, his new green sports car. I saw it on Instagram. And it's like, what an interesting thing to say about your father. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And the, a big, big question mark for a lot of people. I thought that Joe Simpson came out years ago. I thought that was open. I thought we all knew that. Now I can find no record of this. And I went the through only that. Time, 
Yeah, I went down that Google yeah. rabbit hole I, as well, and I couldn't find anything. Did you think he was out? I did. I swear he, I don't know. And now I can't find anything. And she said one line only mm-hmm. that he brought his friend John to her wedding and that it was his story to tell, which honestly is the right thing to say. John but... is in the book acknowledgments too. Oh, really? Yeah. John and Tina's new husband. Oh, interesting. That was also an excellent book acknowledgments to read. Like I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I want, did she say it on audible? Cause I didn't even get I don't there. Know. I think I might've just read it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think that the, like, I think that what wasn't being said because she attributed her, um, alcohol abuse and her behavior over the past decade, the large, the, the difficult period of it, she attributed to her parents' divorce and the feeling of like, you know, abandonment and all that stuff. And I think the thing that wasn't being said is the, you know, her mother feeling lied to for 40 yeah. years, you know, like what you would go through in that process that she can't really tell the story because I think a lot of people's parents get divorced. Like I would be devastated. Like I, I don't trivialize it whatsoever, but I think there was an added layer to that she couldn't explain her level of despair. Yeah, I agree with that. And, but rather than try, she was very good about opening up widely on things in her life that she had found some kind of closure or resolution on and anything that was still somewhat outstanding. She just maybe alluded to it, but let it lie and didn't try to explain or um, complain about it. She took a very... British upper lip approach to certain things and the never explain, never complain mentality. Yeah. Right. And then other things, it was like so much more drawn out. Like mm-hmm. I, I still am like reeling over Johnny Knoxville. Cause like that, I feel like wasn't, <gasps> nobody told me that in the press. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're admitting to an emotional affair. He's not yeah. a cartoon character. Cause like, I could not be less attracted to a character from Jackass. She slept with Bam. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I still that was like shocking that. for me i mean i mean is he better or worse than john mayer we think because okay, the john, it made johnny we, knoxville sound sound like a regular it gave me like, a lot of respect poet. for johnny knoxville to be perfectly honest and then Agreed. tony romo i mean i'm a philadelphia eagles fan i loathe the cowboys more than life itself but she even made tony robo likable to me I disagree. I think he seemed controlling and and righteous. But she knew what she was getting into, and it was almost like she needed Romo as a palate cleanser post-mayor. True. I guess I was kind of annoyed because I feel like he stunted her acting career. Because he wouldn't let her be in scenes with other men. That's Oh, I forgot about that part. Wait, can we talk about how... Tony Romo's wife is Chase Crossford. Chase Crawford's sister. sister from Gossip Girl. <laughs> and she is so beautiful. She is Chase Chase Crawford as a woman. I know. It's not fair. Sometimes genetics <laughs> is just unfair. <laughs> it's really not. And like this is how little I know about football. For a hot second, I got Tony Romo confused with Tim Tebow, who was like the <laughs> mega virgin. I was yes. just like Southern Southern Christian football players, yeah. but Tony Romo is generally well-liked. He's not controversial, right? 
No. Wasn't didn't live up to the Cowboys' hopes for him, but nice guy. Yeah. Very good commentator. Um, have I don't you have you are you familiar with um Taylor Swift's song about John Mayer called Dear John? Oh my god. It's the exact same thing that Jessica said. It's kind of crazy. I have a fantasy that like Taylor, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Jessica Simpson get together for a girls' night and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just to talk about John Mayer. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. But I also want to like let people evolve. <laughs> and I feel like he's kind of tried to, I don't know how I feel about him, but the way Jessica described like checking your spelling and grammar conversation being a competition. She, she described it like a chess game. Mm -hmm. And I see that in his personality, he's smart and he's crafty and I'm sure it's exhausting unless you're his match intellectually. But who wants to have to play chess in a relationship? Relationships are already so hard that right. Like it should not be even harder. Like, I don't care how, I mean, I don't know how good the sex was. It must have been like mind blowing. But he, he called her sexual napalm, didn't he? Yes. On Howard Stern. Yeah, in the Playboy interview. <gasps> That's right. And yeah. she was pissed because she was promoting her like biggest passion project. I think it was called the was it the Price of Beauty? Um, hey, yeah. And it was about how beauty is defined differently all over the world. I'd act, it's a project I'd love to see that I never saw that she's super proud of and that. Every conversation led with sexual napalm, which really does suck. And, you know, I did watch, I remember it was on VH1. I watched a couple of episodes. Ken Paves was on it with her. And I thought they were what really, happened? really. In, I don't think like, they're friends anymore. That's so sad. I, th I uh, That's a big question mark for me. Because he was talked about a lot and then not, not at all. That's true. And then all he of a sudden a it was Rita person. Hazan. Yeah, Rita Hazan from New York. But she does does her colors. Someone else does her cut don't know why I know this. <laughs> You're so right. It's like Jeff Lewis, Chaz Dean, like falling's out or tough with these yeah. <laughs> major yeah, hair people. I remember like they were in India. They were traveling the world and it was a very smart show. And again, ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. I know. And I just never really took her that seriously. But she also was like, I knew what I was doing. Like I knew the role people wanted me to play and like, that's even a level of astute I wouldn't have been because I wouldn't be smart enough to market myself. I'd want everyone to like, I'd over explain everything. So everybody yeah, would like same. know the real me. I wouldn't have the objectivity. Um, but I think that with the John Mayer, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, that's like a big topic. People want to talk about like, oh my God, what a dick. He's so awful. And like, yeah, it's the whole thing was like, stressful and alarming and um emotionally abusive uh but it also is like i don't know i don't know how to explain it it's like i think that it it the way she talked about her therapist explaining obsession versus love was interesting and i think in a much smaller scale it's a situation a lot of us have been in in terms of just misunderstanding someone's affection towards you as being love when it's just like an you know unhealthy obsession or jealousy or whatever and she was only 26 mm -hmm. is the other piece of that in my head people that are older than me or whatever I thought she was like I don't know I don't even know I, but now I'm like to be in that complicated relationship at 26 absolutely not 
a whole le- another level of torture. It is. And to do so, to live it so publicly on top of it. Right. And I actually am so glad that the person she ended up with is like a really nice guy who had his own career, who's deeply devoted to their family, clearly like some kind of shaman wise person. I know. Like on his own. Not and her vibe. That we know, but maybe completely is her vibe, like is as enlightened and whatnot as she has always been and that nobody gave her credit for. And he was a football player too. So nobody was giving him the time of day and assumed like he was just kind of this meathead, even though he was Yale educated and like got admitted to Wharton Business School. That's true. And I love how she was like, I have a GED and I'm a billionaire. So do you need to go to work? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> um, I see Eric Johnson what? as like cash Warren vibes. Somebody who's like on the periphery of fame. One of my favorite celebrity pictures ever is of Jessica Alba and Cash Warren and Jessica Simpson and Eric Johnson at like Yale reunion, like walking around New Haven together. No way. I don't That's know why funny. that I just popped that. in my head. But yeah, I completely agree. You, you need somebody that gets the business that can go to the events, but is under the radar and not the talent. Exactly. That is my opinion. Um, and he seems like just such a good partner in life that like my earlier younger self, when the whole her and Eric Johnson news came out, I was like, who's this dude? Because you thought you knew her and you nobody really did. But it turns out he really is the love of her life. And... I know. And he really like understood her. I was just, no, I was, I was looking over my notes anyway. I wanted to know your thoughts. Okay. So if you're a person that listened to her music, my biggest thing that like, I still feel like she didn't address, like there was a turning point where her music got so breathy. It was unlistenable. Like, Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And was that simply just what her label said that they wanted from her? Because I never got the sense because then when you listen to the songs on the audiobook, like she is back to her like big controlled, pipes, big voice, very controlled. She her net her current music is very like I don't I wouldn't have maybe even known it was her. But yeah, the the breathiness, the like th- the throat singing and not the diaphragm singing like that first for me started on the cover of Robbie Williams Angels. And it's like like she does this thing with her throat in the bridge. Yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> that didn't take my breath away with Nick Lachey. It was like it turned for the worse. And I feel like some she just like started to like jolt and her mannerisms got weird. And she made one comment that John Mayer said if she was less breathy and more straightforward, her music would do better and how offended she was. And I was like, he was right. <laughs> he like the I think only sometimes helpful he thing. Yeah, the only helpful thing she got out of the John Mayer you know, relationship was that. Yeah. Otherwise he sounded like a true monster. Like it really pissed me off when she was like saying that he was like, you're not living up to your potential, be the best version of you. And then she's like, but when you're trying to be the version of you that like somebody else is telling you to be, and it's like, not you, it's exhausting. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I get that. You can convince yourself of that. Um, And I also thought one thing that was interesting that I was listening to Becca and Grace and Katie recap this. They were like, 
frustrated that she kind of had this rounded out message of body positivity and empowerment, but then was like, I got a tummy tuck twice. Yes. I think there was a different way of addressing that, that if you're going to write a deeply honest book, you can't have it both ways. So either just talk about why you got the tummy tuck and what it gave you, but then don't try to be some kind of paragon of body positivity. It's like, in that case, pick a lane. She tried to have Mm -hmm. her completed too. I agree with that. Yeah, that was the only, I was a little bit thrown by that, but I was kind of like, well, I think it maybe starts and ends with the, the paradox of beauty, the impossibility of like, always being torn in a different direction and sometimes even like within yourself right yeah like you know you're good enough but if you can tweak it (laughs) like will you i don't know same with ashley simpson getting a nose job Mm -hmm. i think she was very open about i didn't like my nose so i got a nose job like she didn't claim deviated septum or anything like that deviated septum (laughs) hold a struck in the book i i also think the glitter cups were a real star Wait, can we talk about the fact that like I actually have a giant gold glitter cup? Wait, is that a thermos? <laughs> it is. It's from like a Pennsylvania, like it's a bodega a crack called Wawa. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love You're from, I'm from Virginia. Yeah. You know Wawa. I got this I over Thanksgiving. This is Wawa's like high end to me. Like state of the yeah. art stopover. <laughs> Wawa's merch is excellent also. <laughs> They have glitter cups. They have glitter cups. Before the Jessica book came out, I got this over Thanksgiving. I just kind of like love that there was there was no existence of like vice without the whimsy. I know. Like, it's true. It was always in a glitter cup and she was very open about it. And there was kind of like a character in and of itself, even though it was negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it was kind of a funny line of she wasn't an alcoholic. She abused alcohol but like the drinking at 7 30 before a children's assembly is like it's kind of next level where I kind of wondered how you classify that because that is a big problem I mean I I applaud her for being so open and again it's her book she can tell her story how she wants but I do wonder what earlier versions of that might have looked like because Mm -hmm. to your point that is excessive and some people would classify that as you know diagnostically alcoholism and some people might not and that while everyone's journey is the same clinically there are some very defined kind of benchmarks and how would you do that and same to the body image thing I think She's trying to tell her own story in her own way and probably reconciling with evolving and different and deeply emotional things throughout Mm -hmm. this whole journey. But also it's a memoir. So you're going to try to do what you can to even put these sort of negative behaviors or stories in the best way possible. That is true. Um, Really quick. We're almost at an hour. Uh, The the story about her cousin, Sarah, crushed me. (gasps) That was awful. That's that's kind of the worst thing in the world that could happen, right? Like it is. I never heard that before. Do you? No, it was something that she kept very close to her chest, and really until this book. And the fact it's and and, for to be a horse, like 
a bizarre set of circumstances and it makes me think differently about the song she sung with Nick, where you are, Mm -hmm. um, which is a good song, but I thought it was like a one sweet day knockoff at the time. Um, And I just feel like everything she did in life, she weaved Sarah into it very beautifully and meaningfully. And that made her all the more human to me. Um, And I don't know. She she had like a really nice moment where she talked about on the plane, how like Sarah, like talked to her and uh, told her something that actually ended up happening. And I don't know. It was like a really meaningful story to tie into something Mm -hmm. that I otherwise wasn't really expecting, I guess. It was incredibly sweet and meaningful and gave the book, I think a depth that the Jessica that we now know a lot more depth and I think was a big point in us starting to take her a lot more seriously because she's not just this blonde girl with blue hair with blonde hair and blue eyes from Texas that you assume something when you see her and that her life is very different than perceptions would yeah and that story was one of the ones that you could see even to this day she is both mourning still and celebrating Sarah's life and almost living for Sarah. I know. I know. It's kind of unbelievable. Um, I, I, yeah, that story, like it really, I don't know. Every time she talked about her, it, I like would choke up to it. I don't know why. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, since you are like well-versed in Jessica Simpson, uh, <laughs> odds content, there is this really emotional video of her singing, her cover of let him fly where she's so breaking down just to sit on the stage and like she cry sings and it always it just i always thought it was so beautiful and emotional and raw and she said it was about johnny knoxville and that that too i was like what and i rewatched it and i'm like to think she's mourning a secret emotional affair with the headliner of jackass that whole time makes me rethink everything <laughs> Yeah, I, I everything I thought I knew about Johnny Knoxville, I clearly know nothing. And let him fly. It's just like, I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me, too, when a relationship gets that far and it's never physical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Those must have been some amazing see. love letters or emails. Like, I want to I see know. Them. I want to read them. Well, and I'm like, okay, so what's the what are the logistics of talking openly about that with somebody who was married at the time? He's not married anymore, but does she have to, like, clear that with him? It sounds like she probably did. I think she cleared everything except for like Nick and John. But that's because those are two people that talk shit about her. Yeah. I think she only felt licensed to to talk freely about the two people that had done her dirtier. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also, yeah, good on her. Totally. 100%. I mean, even Nick saying like playing a game of grab ass at Watch What Happens Live. Do you remember that with Joe Simpson? Yeah. That was really, I mean, for lack of a better term, below the belt, but like not, that was like five, six years ago and she never really responded. Mm-hmm. And if he's, not, if he's not out, that's even worse. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wait, can we also talk about how Love is Blind came out right when Jessica Simpson's book came out too? Like, was that, did Netflix decide to time that release of the show with it for maximum, you know, press coverage? Because Love Love is Blind stands out on its own. I know. I swear somebody's agents were in cahoots. Like something was, there wasn't a level of awareness there because when I interviewed Mark, I was like, did you? I loved that episode, by the way. 
Oh, thanks. He, he was, he was honestly really great. And like, I just did, he just wasn't like shysty or cheesy. He like looked yeah. you in the eye. He like had a roundabout way of talking, but it takes me a long time to land a plane. Like I'm cool with that. Um, but he, when I asked how, like if he knew it would come out 18 months plus later, he was just like, yeah, I don't know. It just did. Like uh, there was no rhyme or reason. Netflix isn't on a TV. They, they don't have sweeps. They're not on like a yeah. TV schedule. And when I think about it, I'm like, what the hell has Nick Lachey done in years? And it comes out the same week. And I was listening to Jessica's interview with Ryan Seacrest today. And Je- and he brings it up. And Jessica goes, wait, what's Nick doing? And she has no idea. <laughs> but a lot of Nick and Vanessa's interviews hinged on Jessica's memoir. Mm-hmm. Because it came out the week after. I mean, can we also talk about the their first videos separated like public affair versus the one I forget his song, but like Dax Shepard and no, not what's there was one before it. It was like a more poppy song, like a beat song, but like Dax Shepard and Jennifer Morrison were in it. And Nick's video. Yeah. And Nick's video versus like a public affair had like Eva Longoria and like big people in it. Wait, I thought what's left of me was the first off of Solo. S-O-U-L dash Oh, Nick's Oh my album. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> no, he might have like, re- like just released that as an LP, but that was also one oh. of my favorite pop culture moments ever is like the Battle of the Breakup video. Oh my gosh, totally. And funny that Dax was in Nick's because he's a jackass star. Yes. All full circle. And now married to Kristen Bell. It's a perfect example of a full jackass turnaround. Johnny Knoxville. What's he doing? Has, Where is he? I have no idea what he's doing, but I feel like something <laughs> happened to him. Or, um, But since he's admitted to sleeping with Bam, but yeah, I'm going to need to go dueling breakup videos. A Public Affair. She said she was really proud of that album. I thought that album did not hold a candle to no. her first two. But the other nope. thing that I will let you go soon, the, one thing she never brought up that I thought was pretty key to her empire was her line of edible body lotions. I forgot about that. (laughs) I forgot about that. And I wish I didn't because when I read that, I was like, Oh my God, you're right. Like the most random celebrity line to ever have ever exist. (laughs) But again, now I'm just like, she's a goddamn genius. Like, can we put her in charge of the coronavirus response? She, like, is a boss. The last thing I want to talk about is, like, the couple of times she brings up meeting President George W. Bush. Like, she makes him so endearing, like, even more so right now. And how he just, like, made her feel, like, so comfortable and welcome, even when she flubbed the Dolly Parton thing and whatnot. Like, I just am like, wow. I know. We're all so charmed by George W. now. It's like, it's like sad. We're like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I sat next to his brother on an airplane. No way. Yes. I was flying um to Miami. And here's the thing. My neck wasn't like, I had hurt my neck, so I couldn't really turn too much. So from like just my um peripheral vision, I'm like, oh, it's just another white dude businessman. <laughs> the end of the flight realize it's jeb bush jeb bush is a as a person that i wouldn't expect to be sitting next to me on a plane 
so I don't know if I would nail it right when I saw him either. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, wow, like the flight attendant's super responsive, like super attentive. <laughs> She's great at her job. No, I was just sitting next to a once time presidential candidate. Wait, okay. The other thing about that White House that was so funny is the Department of the Interior. <laughs> Um, she told her, <laughs> I love him, what you've done with this. <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, and like I love that. At 22. Exactly. She was 22. Who knows what, I mean, I'm a nerd, so I knew at 22, but also. Yeah, I like, probably do, but like, still, I love you <laughs> It's fine. Honestly, though, I was like so endeared by it. It did not turn, like, I just thought this was. This is the gold standard of celebrity biographies that now if people aren't willing to be open at that level and also hire that ghostwriter, they probably just shouldn't even write one. I agree. And hers came out at a time when she wasn't needing to explicitly capitalize. It was nope. it was a, an organic evolution and need to tell her story. And I think most people are like, we're popular. Let's strike while the iron's hot and capitalize. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I love a celebrity memoir, but I'm seldom taken with them. Like, you know, I love, I mean, the ones that are like comedic, you know, the bossy pants, the mini yeah. Kaling, like those are all fantastic and comedic, but like, um, yeah, when I tell you I had no interest in reading this, I can't emphasize that enough. And now I'm like, what am I missing in the world of memoirs that I'm just totally You're overlooking? You're not missing much. <laughs> I will tell you, this is a really special book and, She's this really special person, and I'm really glad that this book – I think like, this book came out when humanity needed it. Like, I can't yes. think of a better, like, COVID quarantine read if you can because it the number of rabbit holes, like, you will end up into, like, you could buy some really comfortable and affordable, like, lounge outfits and slippers. My favorite slippers are by Jessica Simpson. I bought them off really? Amazon. They're amazing. I only, when I think of her, I think of pumps at like Marshall's TJ Maxx. Like she always had the huge platform pumps that I'm tall and I never wore, but I'm not familiar with her other stuff. I have a my lucky black pumps are from her. I had to buy a pair of shoes on my way to the airport for my final job interview for a job uh, right out of college. And I made Nordstrom open up early so I could buy the shoes. And I picked a pair of Jessica Simpson black pointy toed pumps and I got the job. So those are my lucky shoes. I still wear them. And you still, still have them. them? Of course I do. I love that. I still have my, I, I had to open a credit card to buy a New York and company pinstripe suit for my first job interview in New York. And I still have it. It's so ugly. I'll never wear it again, but I feel like how, I mean, it's an artifact. <laughs> it is. I'm saving those shoes mostly for like memento's sake. Not like I'm going to have a daughter. So I'm done having kids. If any Corona has told me anything is that door is shut. And deadbolted no and boarded up. <laughs> no more kids. I love so the idea to you passing got. down your Jessica Simpson pumps to your daughter as an heirloom. <laughs> I would be like, these are mama's lucky shoes. Don't totally. mess with the juju of Jessica Simpson, especially now all we know. But I like, know, truly. I really, I just want the best for her. I'm like, so happy for her and where she is in life i have a deep respect for eric johnson that i never thought mm. i would have and you know i 
I had such happy feelings and just a feeling of contentment after reading that book. Me too. And I think what I really love in any memoir is like life isn't one narrative. It's a series of individual narratives and chapters that weave together. And like, even though she's 39 and wrote a memoir, like it's kind of laughable to even write a memoir before you're 40, which she acknowledges, but like, and there's still a lot more to come, but I think that every woman gets to a point where they're like, wow, I didn't realize until now how fundamentally uncomfortable I've been in my own skin my entire life. Like I'm just being a, a version of myself to match the first people I'm around. And like, what the hell do I want? What, what matters to me? Mm-hmm. And what am I, who am I when I'm not modifying my own behavior? And um, I thought at the end, it was just like a really empowering message of like, oh, no, this is all still really fucked up around me, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's like, no, the things went away. Her parents' situation's still there. Like, she's still got a lot going on. But it's not about fixing everyone else. It's about finding peace. I know. I think that's all what we need right now. We all just need a little more peace yes. and a little bit more security in our own skin. And, and the like fact a billion. The- and a billion dollars. <laughs> and comfortable pumps and slippers. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. Thank oh my you, gosh, Heather, You're the best. This was so much fun. I wanted to have you on the pod forever. And I want to have you back on because I want to meet you in person and chat about yes. your career and every all of the things because I think you're career is so fascinating and I think you have such incredible advice for women and you're so smart and dynamic and I love introducing as many people in my audience to you as I can though most are probably already aware and I hope they are um but this was still a fun pop culture intro to have you on this was great and hopefully family karma picks up or doesn't and we can make it pick up through one of these like I have thoughts I have opinions and I've been dying to like on a non-Indian forum, explain to people why Indians are so obsessed with Taco Bell. Okay. that I didn't know that. I thought I, I wouldn't have like put that together. I thought maybe they just really like Taco Bell on the show. No, Indian people are obsessed with Taco Bell. Like it's so obsessed. interesting because it's one of the only vegetarian restaurants where you can like get it's one of the only fast food restaurants where you can actually get vegetarian things and it's spicy and also like every indian has a drawer full of sauce packets like every single one of them interesting like i had to use like 13 for my fried rice this today because pure chains fried rice seriously 13 13 fire sauce packets yeah and then a diablo on top at the end Use 13 Taco Bell fire sauce packets on P.F. Chang's? Yes. That is the fast casual crossover I needed today. (laughs) That sounds delightful. It was. It was refried fried rice with Taco Bell sauce. That's amazing. It was bland. (laughs) Oh, my God. This was fun. This was fun. You get back to your family. Thank you for your time. This will probably come out tonight or tomorrow. And you're the absolute best. I can't wait. I'll put in the newsletter and link it to social and all the things. Okay, perfect. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed. And we'll close out with a brief excerpt from the most perfect bridge of all time. Even though I feel extremely conflicted about John Mayer and want to let people evolve, but alas, I want to also acknowledge and not invalidate the experience of these two incredibly strong and powerful women, Taylor Swift and Jessica Simpson, that I immensely respect. So anyway. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit is the best. Follow her at Hit the Polipu 
on Instagram, buy her book, How to Pack, subscribe to her newsletter. I think you can access it from her website. And, uh, prepare to be delighted by her intellectually stimulating, entertaining, and just well-rounded content she provides. She's truly awesome, and I hope to get her back on the podcast because I would love to dive more into her background. I live for a multi-hyphenate. Uh, anyway, guys, hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. As always, let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. I'm shining like fireworks over.